I have seen how social media has changed how we interact with brands. And I have seen the impact that influencers have on marketing um, and on my job. I have seen how social media has changed how we interact with brands. And I have seen the impact that influencers have on marketing um, and on my job. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphon. What is up, you lovely listener? Welcome to another episode of Oversharing. As always, I am super pumped for this episode, but for this one in particular, because I didn't create an outline for this episode. Dangerous. Yeah, 100% dangerous. But I'm really excited to have this conversation with our guest today. I'm excited to figure out what we're going to get into. And I'm sure it's going to be rad because you're rad. Uh, But before I speak too much, let's allow... Admiral Jack Barr to Overshare. How you doing? Wow. Hi. I love that it's called Overshare because that is like my mantra in life. <laughs> it's just way too much information. Jacqueline Rosen- Rosenberg? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but known as Jack. Yeah. J-A-C-Q though. That's right. There's a cool story about a girl named Jacqueline Stala. Also spelt it J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E. But this podcast isn't about me, so we'll have to save it for another time. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried to go by many different nicknames. Um, The most infamous would be CQ. I tried to make that work for a while. Ooh. Right? It's cool. CQ is cool. CQ is really cool. Because uh, I can't believe I'm telling the story. When I went, I was on a job. I was going to an acting job. And I introduced myself to the director of the shoot. And he was like, what's your name? I was like, oh, Jacqueline. He's like, oh my God, spelled with a CQ. I was like, yeah. And he said, I had a childhood friend growing up. She was the coolest person ever. And we called her CQ. You should call yourself CQ. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. I loved it. And I changed my Instagram name. And in the shoot, I was talking and I introduced myself as CQ. But it was like the most cringy video because... I just don't like watching myself yeah. do things like that. So I never told anyone about it. Someone I was living with, she like Googled it and found it and then started calling me CQ like in jest. So I tried to make it work. It's a cool nickname, but it just, it has to be from from the jump. Sure. You know? I can't make it work now. So let's start this over. <laughs> <laughs> I How come just right now I forgot how I intro this podcast, which is really weird. It's completely slipped my mind. What were you like in high school? I was super nerdy still. That's my roots. (laughs) I was a theater kid, but I was also into like physics. I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but then I also was like, I'm going to be an engineer. Total tomboy. I hung out with only dudes. We played airsoft like on the weekends. Super just weird kid. I worked at Sonic as a car hop. That's still my favorite job. Did you have to wear roller skates? Yeah, I rollerbladed on quads, not in lines, like the, the four skates that's pretty nuts dude like i can only imagine like the liability oh absolutely i don't think they do that that. anymore but when when i started working there i got a pair of quads from the girl that was quitting and it was like a nice pair and when it was slow we would like skate out in the parking lot and Mm. it was really fun like the only shitty part would be wait can i swear here yeah okay the only shitty part was when (laughs) when i would come into 
the kitchen area and you weren't allowed to cook food when you're on the skates, but you could make like ice cream drinks and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So one of the women that had been working there from the beginning of that Sonic location, like taught me how to make shakes and malts and stuff. And like, I'm pretty wicked with a whipped cream can. It was cool, like being in the shake area with that, but it was like, you were always afraid of, it wasn't if you will fall, it was when. So you, I took like a pretty nasty spill, like towards the end of my career there and like busted my knee up. Um, I was carrying four Route 44 drinks, like the. Ooh, I was yeah. gonna ask. That yeah, sucks, so dude. it was a busy day in the drive-through and slow where like the drive-in stalls are. They were like, "Go carry these out to the car that's in the drive-through." So I was carrying like all, I mean, four times forty-four, one hundred and eighty ounces of green apple slush, and I'm like skating. There's like a foot of distance between the car and the like raised curb. Yeah. So I go to deliver it to the passenger side. And the guy was like, oh, I actually want it on the driver's side. And there was like six inches. I was like, I can't get with the skates. Customer's always right. Tried to do it. Slipped, busted my knee open on the sidewalk and like fell, like drinks flying. It, I can only imagine that they go up like in the cartoon. Where yeah, they fling that's up exactly. In the air. Like the lid came off. Oh, that sounds so awesome. There's green apple slush everywhere. And I like hit my hand on the car and the guy goes, is my car okay? The worst part is I went to high school with him. So I was like, this guy's a dick. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is a dick. But I loved, I love that job. It's still my favorite job. I don't know if he's a dick. I take that back. I mean, he, he was kind of a dick. It's okay. <laughs> if that's the question he's going to ask after you eat it. If that's the question you ask when I like really bite it. That's, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> Which Sonic was this? Did you grow up in Orange County? No. So I guess I should actually introduce myself. My name is Jacqueline. I'm originally from Northern California, this little town called Vacaville. It's known for the outlets. Or if you're on your way to Tahoe or Truckee, any of those places, like you're going to drive through it. So that's where I grew up. Um, my parents were both, I don't want to say immigrants because my mom was born in Puerto Rico because that's like part of the U.S. It's not not Kind immigrant. of. Yeah. <laughs> And then my dad is from, originally from like Poland, Germany. He was born in 1946, like very shortly after World War II. So wow. he's just kind of from Germany, Poland-ish. So they landed first were in New York. Then they moved um, over here for my dad's job. Grew up in Vacaville. Vacaville is a great it's place. It's called Vacaville? Vacaville, like Cowtown. Oh, Vacaville. Vaca. Vaca. Yeah. Lots of cows. Mm. Rural, but like very small town feel. And it's great for raising kids, but when I was like 17, I wanted to get as far away as humanly possible from Brackville. Originally, I applied to schools on the East Coast. Like I was going to go to either NYU, Penn State, or University of Maryland because I was like, bye, Vacaville, goodbye forever, California. I was originally in Naval ROTC at University what? of Maryland. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go and join the Air Force and be an engineer. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So I was going to do Naval ROTC and had that all lined up. And my dad got pretty sick when I was in high school. And I was like, okay, do I want to be potentially out of reach if something were to happen? And luckily I had applied to UC Irvine. Mm -hmm they had a Air Force ROTC detachment so I could kind of finagle my way back into ROTC just with a different branch, um, not get any scholarship or anything like that. I would have to earn that. I came to UCI in 2012 and boy, did I have a great time. What's college life at UCI like? You know, I, a lot of people are like, I feel like it's pretty dead, but you kind of have to be open to adventure and like 
be open to meeting people who are kind of down for whatever. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, I joined a sorority and when I also was a freshman at UCI, I was on the rowing team. And so I kind of had- UCI has a rowing team? Yes. Damn, dude. So, I mean, they cut the aquatic sports officially in 2011, but it was still able to operate as a club and not as an NC2A division sanctioned like sport. But we were still able to compete for the same titles and things like that. To the listener who doesn't know, like UCI is in the- suburb of suburb like Irvine I don't know if anybody else knows what Irvine is like yeah but it's very suburb y it's very quiet yeah right so it's like when I'm like oh what's partying yeah like? it's Did not you go like to- it's not like you see Santa Barbara where you're like okay yeah I know what to expect <laughs> yeah it was more my college experience was more exploring the surrounding areas instead of just being like okay everyone knew someone that would live on the peninsula. So then you would all like pile into the car and go to the beach and hang out the peninsula houses. But it was a lot of like going to LA, going to San Diego, like venturing up to um, Antelope Valley, like things like that. Antelope Valley. Yeah. Like the caverns. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very similar to what it's like to just grow up in Orange County for the most part. You kind of, uh, you meet people who are like from the area and then, you explore the places where they know and they're like, okay, yeah, this is where we go. You know, I know this place in San Diego. I know this place in Corona Mar, like whatever. From there, you just kind of branch out and try to leave Irvine. So then I graduated in 2016. I started 2012. I was a biomedical engineering major. Nice. Failed calculus two or three times. And you need calculus children to succeed in engineering. But the thing that I was experiencing as a freshman in college was six months prior in my high school, I was one of the smartest, right? Didn't mm-hmm. have to study. I was homeschooled. Forgot to mention that. I was homeschooled till I went to high school. Does Vacaville have like a big high school program? No, there were 400 students at my high school. Mm. So there was like a graduating class of 100. And I think I counted one time. There was only like 15 of us that went to school, like to college. Yeah. Um, and only like 10 of us that finished. It was just like a lot of, like I said, there's farmers, a lot of small businesses. So it's not that people are just like... Reminds me of like Varsity Blues for some reason, like where everybody knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's sounds kind of, kind of it nice. Is. It is. Um, when I was a kid going to the store with my mom, it was like, it would be like a five-hour thing because she would see someone <laughs> she knows in the grocery store and just talk forever. Yeah. So my freshman year of college, I was like, oh, I don't have to study. I'm super smart. But it's like... I was ready for high school with the skills that I had from being homeschooled, but I wasn't ready for college. And I didn't know how to ask for help. And I didn't know how to search for resources because I had never had to do that before, even though I was very independent as far as like my schooling was concerned. I will never forget Counselor King, notorious engineering school at UCI, academic counselor, sat me down and she was just like, you have failed calculus. You can't go forward. I was I was doing fine in physics and like chemistry, which was weird, but just the math part of it. Couldn't get it to save my life. Mm. Isn't chemistry and physics a lot of math? Yes. This is what I'm saying. I have no (laughs) idea why math was holding me back, but Math 2A, UCI was like notorious for people failing it. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized, oh, I could have gone to like OCC and taken all of my math classes. Like I could have done that, which is why we need people in academics that are like in advising who truly care and want people to succeed. Anyway, I was meeting with this counselor and she was like, you need to change your major. And I just started crying. I was in RTC. I was like, I want to do this. Like I want, I wanted to make prosthetics. I was like, 
my thing, she was like, find a new dream. And I, yeah, cold, brutally cold, crying, crying, no empathy, nothing. And at the time I was, I think I was taking like a literary journalism class. And so for a while I was like, oh, I want to be a writer. Like I want to be a journalist. How do we get from Air Force to prosthetics, first of all? Well, so originally I was going to do naval ROTC and I wanted to be like a naval, like like some kind of doctor. It was more about like being in a lab. Um, Mm. My brother was in a car accident when I was in the eighth grade and he was wearing like, I don't want to call it a prosthetic calf because that's not quite what it was, but it it was, he has drop foot. So he was had like a prosthesis to hold his foot up and it came up on his calf and it was always rubbing his leg and he was always complaining about it. And so that kind of spawned this, oh, I want to make things that are more comfortable for people who have injuries like this. So then I was taking a literary journalism class that I wanted to do that. Started taking my core classes. I took a psych class. I took abnormal psychology and I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Changed my major, graduated psych, applied to a bunch of programs in Southern California. I was kind of following around this guy. What's his name? His name is Ori. What's up, Ori? He is super Jewish. (laughs) Yeah, I was following him around and he was going to move to LA. So I was like, well, I have to move to LA. Yeah. So I applied to Did he love you back at the time? At this point, we had been seeing each other for three years off and oh, okay. on. So, you so I would hope each other. so, but yeah. you don't really know. Right. There's a lot to unpack there. But followed him, went to USC um, to get my master's in education because I saw this gap of educators who truly were invested in people's future. I mean, I'm speaking from the outside. It's very easy to get jaded when you're seeing the same thing over and over and over again with students. I forgive you, Counselor King. Still was brutal that you said find a new dream, but I forgive you. so heavy. Yeah. Find a new dream. 18-year-old, bawling her eyes out. Um, Yeah, so I went to USC for two years, met some awesome people there, did a lot of really cool stuff. I lived in Chicago for a summer. Um, Did you end up finishing at uh, USC? Yes. I graduated in 2000. I walked in 2018, May. I finished in December of 2018 uh, because I was doing a thesis. There's a lot going on when it's not just, oh, I'm going to write this paper. You have to go through so many steps and procedures to actually get to the finished product. And then when you have to write the damn thing, it's like 150 pages. I wrote 80 of those in one night. And then the other 70 took me like six months. You wrote 80 pages in a night? Yes. I need help finishing my book if you're not busy. I can be your ghostwriter. When you (laughs) mentioned that, I was like, oh, I got you. (laughs) So you have a bachelor's in biomedical engineering? No, I have a bachelor's in psychology. Oh, okay. That's right. You switched because you had to find a new dream. I had to find my new dream. Bachelor's in psychology, master's in education from USC. Yeah. UC Irvine's no joke too. So you're you're actually a genius. No. To me, I think that's really smart. I'm the smartest idiot that you'll ever meet is how one of my friends describes me because I just do... I'm kind of klutzy, like a kind of a, I'm a derp, I'm queen of the derps, but I like to call myself a lifelong learner. I'm very curious. I like that. I could tell from your podcast, actually, you just kind of want to understand other people's stories. Yeah. That like, that's the whole point. Like I'm not trying to have like an NPR podcast. I'm not going to do some like hard hitting news. I just want to know about people and where they're from and what makes them tick I am definitely the therapist friend, you know, I am constantly psychoanalyzing people and 
it makes sense with my personality, the curiosity, and also my tendency to create communities, sure. nurture those communities. So that's why my next step is to get my PhD in counseling psychology. But Dr. There, Akbar. Dr. Akbar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, when I watched, walked Jack across Bar, the stage Dr. Jack Bar. <laughs> at graduation, <laughs> I made my middle name Anakin. So they said, Anna, yeah, Jacqueline yeah. Anakin Rosenberg. Nice, and dude. my family was sitting like three rows back and they just started laughing. That's awesome. It was so cool. I love your, your affinity with Star Wars and the fact that you're like genuinely interested in people. Those are like two of my pretty big things, I think. Well, so this book that I was just reading is, I don't want to ruin the description of it. It's kind of about like mortality and like the meaning of life, but not in like a cliche way. It's like a written from the perspective of a doctor. He says that it's not really about, it's about the connections that we make. The meaning of life is about connection. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I like doggy eared it. I was like, I don't have a highlighter for the first time in my life. Like I just wanted to circle it and be like, wow, this, it hits home. Like I have always been about community. I think that's something my parents instilled in us. Like we always had extra kids at holidays or family gatherings. Um, we used to host game nights all the time. And they were like, that invitation was coveted amongst the Vacaville community to come to a Rosenberg <laughs> game night. It was loud, rambunctious, and just a good time. And it's just family doesn't mean just blood, though that is a priority for me. Like my family is my friends and like, mm-hmm. and, and that and creating the communities that are going to help build me up, but I also can contribute to those. What are you doing today? I wake up. (laughs) I wake up at seven normally every day. And if I'm really feeling it, I'll go out for a run or I'll do some yoga. And then, so now I work at Lululemon. So actually Lululemon entered my life after I graduated from grad school. And my friend Jordan and I took a month long trip to Europe as one does. We actually started in Israel And then we went to Greece and Italy and um, one other place. I took like a detour in Spain. There's a whole long story about that. And when I came back, I was like, I need a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Lululemon found me. I started working at the South Coast Plaza store. Is it still open? Are you still working right now? I am still working. Um, I slowly climbed the ranks. So I went from part-time educator, which is what we call our sales associates, moved on to KL, which is like the shift manager. As luck would have it, something that's really cool about Lululemon is, yeah, you have to work the holidays, but if you let your manager know early enough, they will facilitate a holiday transfer so that you can go home for the holidays and Mm. work at a store that's close to wherever your family is. That's cool. Yeah. Like, I didn't care that I was working Christmas Eve because I got to go home to my family after. Yeah. So I got to do that last Christmas to be with my family. And I was just like really excited. It was like the first time I could be home for like a month and not a couple days. And that store in Walnut Creek was in need of a store inventory lead. I am very task oriented. So inventory was just kind of a no duh for me. They needed a store inventory lead. And in November 2019, I moved back up to Northern California, started working there. And once coronavirus hit, um, Lululemon continued to pay us for our hours that we were promised to be working. My contract as a store inventory lead had ended. 
I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And Lululemon again swoops in and saved my life. And they put me on another contract to work for their guest education center, which is kind of customer service. People who have lost their packages or they want more information about something or they had an experience in a store and they want to tell someone. When you call that help number, it's me. Or if you chat or send an email, like I'm answering those emails. So I work from home 40 hours a week doing that. And that's what I'm up to until January. I love that they take such good care of you because the founder of Lululemon got put under a lot of heat. Yeah. And I think that Lululemon now has tried to separate itself from from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like not the ideology. Like we are grateful to Chip for what he started. I think he just got a little lost on the way. Like the beginning of it. I'm sure you had no clue it was going to be like this. No, when you go to Kitsilano, which is where the first Lululemon is you can in Canada, you see the workshop where he made the first couple of Lululemon items, and it's like the size of this office. Right. To see the global impact that Lululemon now has is really inspiring. Like, they take care of us. They are invested in doing what's right. Like, they're not saying that they're do everything, doing everything correctly or saying exactly the right thing, but their heart is in the right place. Yeah. And they're very quick to address things that don't line up with the core values. Do you ever like get frustrated or what's your mindset like? Like going through all the school that you have, failing calculus, getting all this education and not that there's anything wrong with working at Lululemon, but it doesn't sound like that's where you want to end up. Yeah, it is really frustrating. And this is something that I talk to my friends and academics about all the time. I'm trying to break into a system that was not built for me. Mm. I come from a low-income family of two people who are not born here. Mm-hmm. My dad finished school. Uh, my mom did not. She had other things that she had to take care of. So when I was starting school, I was like, I have to do this on my own. Like, there is no plan B for me. That's where a lot of my drive comes from. But it is really frustrating that, okay, I failed calculus three times. Didn't get anything less than A- minus in my master's program. I went above and beyond it did the thesis, took extra time, paid more money to complete it instead of just giving up. But to most PhD programs, they want to see your cumulative GPA. They don't care about the classes that are for your major. Like my psych major, cum GPA is wonderful. My overall GPA, because I was in engineering and they were feeding us C's get degrees, just pass. C's get degrees. C's get degrees. That still is holding me back which is super unfortunate. And there are options that I could take like enrolling in a post-baccalaureate program, which is just almost like reopening your bachelor's degree and you take classes specifically for the program that you would like. So UC Irvine offers a program like this in psychology, but you can't apply for financial aid because it, it doesn't fall under any of the federal categories because it's kind of elective. And you have to pay out of pocket. And these cost upwards of ten dollars to $15,000 a semester. And you might be in Jeez. it for a year. So again, this, this system is not built for me. I want to succeed. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. I know the caliber of work that I am able to produce. But because I don't have $30,000 lying around, I'm not able to enroll in a program that would arguably help me get into the schools that I want to get into. So instead, I'm kind of stuck working this. I mean, I love my job at Lululemon. Don't get me wrong, but it is something that kind of drives me nuts that 
I want to use my training for good. And I do use a lot of like my psychology <laughs> training, talking to de-escalating situations. It is hard feeling like the system is built for those who can afford it and not necessarily those who deserve it. So right now my goal is just to get as much experience as I can working in a clinic or um, I would really like to get certified in trauma-sensitive yoga so that way I can kind mm. of see patients in that way. I think that there is such a harmony between exercise and feeling like you belong in your body. That was something that my thesis is on reintegrating sexual assault survivors back into their social groups. Yoga and trauma-sensitive yoga played a big part in my thesis. There was a section of the program that I was studying that um, poured their time and effort into that and saw really fruitful results. So I'm thinking, okay, I am athletic. I like, my heart is in this work. There is a way to marry the two together. So moving forward this year, I'm not going to be applying for PhD programs just because Rona really took the wind out of my sails, but it's okay. I'm trying to get trauma certified and work in some kind of recovery clinic and just keep pushing forward. But yeah, it does, it gets frustrating. I definitely have weekly phone calls with my friend Tori and we just talk about how unfair it is that people who were able to, I worked so many jobs in college. It was almost a joke. <laughs> like what I would have been capable of if I didn't have to, if my parents were able to pay for my rent or my food or my rowing dues. But because I chose to have a more enriched experience, I also just kind of was like, well, I have to work. Mm -hmm. And that means sometimes I'm not going to be able to study or I'm not going to be able to hang out with my friends. Or sometimes it's like, I'm not going to be able to work. I want to hang out with my friends. Do you feel like there's somebody that you wish you could get in touch with to figure this out? And obviously like not the dean or... Academia is a weird place. Mm -hmm. PhD programs, it's about who you know as well as your grades. I have a thesis advisor who is amazing, social justice warrior. She um, is a lawyer and she works with women who have been human trafficked. Um, that sounds weird, but that is who she works with. Mm -hmm. I've been kind of like waiting in the wings for her to have a little bit more free time for some direction, but you have to find people within academia. So that's what I was doing to, during coronavirus. I was looking up schools I wanted to attend and I would search things that I wanted to study. And then I would find the professor that has the lab or is doing, has research interests similar to mine. I have a list of maybe 15 or 20 professors that I have to contact and build a virtual relationship with over the next year and kind of see which of those 20 would be willing to kind of take me under their wing and mentor me and then potentially have me as their student in their lab. So mm. it's not cut and dry as a bachelor's where you're just kind of applying, here are my grades, this is what I do extracurricularly. It's who do you know? They have to see the return on investment as well. They can't, you can't just come in and be like, yeah, I want to be a counselor. They'll be like, okay, well, what is your dissertation going to be on? What group are you trying to serve? How are you going to be different than everyone else that has come before you? And I think that working with trauma, there's so many different ways you can go because trauma is such a broad subject. And in light of recent events, I've really started to get interested into the prison population mm. and people who are trying to readjust back into everyday life who may have not had a chance to. Um, I'm very interested in working with the Innocence Project, which is about exonerating people using DNA evidence. 
I would love, like my dream world would be to work with that population who is now free from prison, falsely accused, able to be proven innocent. And now how do we help them let go of the anger and the distrust of the system and move forward in their lives? And that also opens a can of worms for like voting rights and things like that. So I'm not just puns and Star Wars. There's other things that I like as well. (laughs) It's pretty cool to hear it all. Where does this interest come from with like dealing with ex-prisoners who are innocent come from like to keep myself busy ever since I graduated from USC I've been enrolled in community college classes just things that interest me um, or psychology classes so one that I took recently was a class on social society and social problems so that is where I learned about the innocent project uh, innocence project our assignment was just to pick one story report back on a discussion board, you know, and then respond to two people. Wow, I absolutely agree with your point. But I found myself just totally enamored with some of these stories, like just stayed up all night reading these people's stories and frustrated for them and hurt and thinking about their families. Um, And this was around the time that there was a lot of social unrest in the country. And I was like, okay, what can I do? Like, where does my heart lie? And I think that that is where that inspiration came from. Like I took this class kind of willy nilly because I was like, oh, this will be very interesting. And then that one week I was like, you know, there's a feeling that you get in your chest when you're like, this is something that I know is going to be important to me. Like it's not work. It's, it feels more like an investment Mm -hmm. instead of like, oh, I have to do this. I was like, couldn't stop talking about it to people, couldn't stop reaching out to my friends, seeing who they knew, what they knew, how I could start because maybe I can't donate money right now. What can I do? I think that's heavy. Yeah. We can talk about Star Wars if you want, but that's who I am in my core. I can't really figure out a segue. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually want to hear what your thoughts are on social media politics right now. I have a lot of feelings about social media. I kind of talked about it when you were on my podcast. So for those who don't know, I started doing fitness modeling in 2009. Right. I did my first ever photo shoot on my 19th birthday. My mom was there. So I have been in the like kind of marketing section of the world for a while now. I have seen how social media has changed how we interact with brands. And I have seen the impact that influencers have on marketing um, and on my job because um, we were talking about- On your job as a model? As a model. We would walk in, you know, a normal casting or even a job, you walk in, give them your name, give them your agency and then your phone number. And pretty soon it started being Instagram handle. How many followers do you have? What's your interaction like? And these like analytics that I had never even thought to pay attention to. And then the more models that I met And the more Instagrams I was following, I was like, why is it that this, I can think of one person in particular who was ridiculously successful model. She is incredible, sweetest person ever, Shannon. One day she was like, you know what? I'm done. I made enough money to, you know, settle down. She bought a home in Oregon. She's about to have a baby. And she was like, I want to be an esthetician. She has like 1300 followers on Instagram. The crazy thing about that is if I showed you a picture of her, you'd be like, I have seen this woman before. Mm. And she is so good at what she does. The 
increase of social media in our lives has changed how companies deal with models. So where I really started getting jaded with, in, with social media in the modeling world was I finally got a casting for a rowing commercial. And I was like, what? Like I can find, cause most people are like, oh yeah, I ran track or like I was a swimmer and I was like, I was on the rowing team. And there's not really much you can do with that. You're not going to interact with a brand unless you're JL racing and you're selling unitards, you know, I was really excited, grabbed my racing uni, like blew the dust off of it. I'm going to these castings. I'm going to the callback. I'm going to the final call. Like I'm driving back and forth to LA and my rowing partner is actually the one who got me signed with this agency. She was signed with them before I was. And we were both there at this final callback. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're taking three girls. My pair and I were there and we looked completely different. So we were like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be us two and then someone else. She got the job. I did not. She was texting me. It was actually for an advertisement for the Apple Watch. Mm. And she texted me on the day of the shoot. And she was like, oh my gosh, the reason why you didn't get this job is that the main girl that they cast looks exactly like you, but she's not a rower at all. She had like 25,000 Instagram followers and it like boiled my blood because they're like focusing on her in this shot and she's not even doing it right. She's on it. You're on a rowing machine um, for the commercial. And I had to like get off of Instagram because the ads were targeted to me. Yeah. And it just really bothered me because it was like this person has no idea what they're doing and you chose them over someone who's like trained in this anyway that's an aside I have a very difficult relationship with like what's going on now and brands with like social media what about in people and like they're spitting out all this information I mean look I think it awareness wise super important for uh, any sort of injustice to be brought to light yeah right um, but there's a lot of bullshit yeah. too going on. I think people are yelling without listening and yeah. they, they don't even know what they're yelling about most of the time. You got to sit down and have the conversations. Like I applaud people who are doing a lot of work for educating. My really good friend, Tori, she's my little. She is a social justice boss ass bitch. She is going to University of Maryland for to study anti-racial education And at the beginning, shortly after George Floyd, she made an anti-racism guide. I am sure as shit that you have seen some of her posts Mm -hmm. because it started as something that she put her whole heart into and now she has gained popularity. People are reposting her stuff. Like she has completely changed her Instagram platform for education to answer questions, to help people navigate through. I am surprised that some people like have never had to deal with with racism before and like mm. are surprised and that's hard for me because I I will never be able to know what that's like you know as a woman as a woman of color especially going to USC like that's a predominantly white campus I don't personally need those resources right like mm-hmm. I maybe need the resources that will tell me how to use my activism for good but I don't need the education part right so I I'm really happy that there are people who have taken that upon themselves that are doing the work, that are doing the research. What I cannot justify are people just like thinking that posting just a black square is going to do something. Posting a black square is going to be like, I'm not racist. Like I blackout Tuesday. It's like, 
Did you march? If you're not able to march, did you donate? Did you sign a petition? Like the pre-filled out link to send an email. I think that lip service is cheap and it's Mm -hmm. free, but you got to put your money where the mouth is. And like, like I am not in a financial place to donate a ton of money, right? But every little bit helps. I also think it's really tough to be a brand right now. Take Lego, for example. Did you see their um, statement? Mm. Okay, so murder of George Floyd. And then it was like two weeks of social media just exploding, right? And brands posting or not posting a statement. When I think of brands that need to post a statement, nothing initially pops into my mind. I'm not thinking like, why hasn't Core Power said anything yet? Why Definitely not thinking why has why Logo it, not Lego why, not said why anything. Why hasn't Lego said anything? Lego then releases a statement and it's powerful, right? It's a great statement. They're like, we're taking these things off of the shelves. We're coming right out and saying, you know, Black Lives Matter. Why was that necessary? Mm-hmm. Why did that brand feel necessary? Why were people putting so much heat on a company that produces Legos, toys? Sure to make a statement. I agree that I want somewhere where I'm I'm investing my money, spending my time. I want to make sure their values align with what I feel, but I think pressuring companies into making a statement and then potentially pressuring them and they make a statement quickly and maybe don't think about what they're trying to say is also wrong. Yeah. You can't force someone to become an activist. You can't force them to see something from your point of view. It has to be genuine. It has to come from the heart. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Ben and Jerry's has been about that social justice life. Like I knew that they were going to make a statement and it was going to be very clear and they were going to provide resources and they were going to show what they were saying. But take Lululemon, for example, doing the same thing, um, putting money towards different programs. Diversity and inclusion has been at the heart of what we've been doing because of the comments that Chip made in 2010, 2011, when he was making racial comments. So Lululemon has been invested in this work, but it doesn't matter where they were giving their money. It doesn't matter what statement they made. Someone was still going to be upset Mm -hmm. one way or the other. You can be the most sweet and juiciest peach in the world. And there's going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. So I think that instead of yelling over one another and saying this is important or this is more important, um, I've seen a lot of posts now being like, oh, you're so distracted with Black Lives Matter and coronavirus that you're not talking about the children that are being abducted and sex trafficked. My fight for, for social justice is not a pie. I'm not going to run out of slices. I'm not going to run out of energy just because I care about this thing doesn't mean that I, I don't care about children being abducted and sold into slavery. Right. So everyone just needs to take a deep breath. I think that it's hard to be a brand right now. I am not jealous of big corporations that have to put out a statement or feel like they have to. I'm glad that Lego said something, but the my question is why did they feel like were people messaging them being like Lego? Why haven't you said anything about this? Yeah, it's an interesting spot because like they're gonna build, they're gonna do like this is how we dismantle racism using these blocks. Like how I know that's like I'm I'm making these comments in jest, but it's like I'm genuinely curious, which is why I have been putting in the work. I'm gonna be interviewing my aunt who's a New York Police Department 
uh, detective for 20 years. I blew you up about that. I'm so excited to talk to her because like she bleeds blue. That was Mm. her job when that took care of her. So I'm very interested to talk to her about that in a non-combative way. I'm not going to come in there. I love this person. Do I not agree with the system that she served? Absolutely. I think there needs to be some kind of reform, but I'm not an expert. All I can do is listen to her point of view, take that in and try to come up with the best solution possible without getting upset. Just being able to listen to someone, see their perspective, broadcast that information out to the general public and start a conversation. Like that's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be the one that comes up with the solution for police brutality. What I'm trying to do is understand it, understand the root of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to have Tori on the podcast as well to talk about her take on it. She had some very interesting comments. Um, It's Victoria Alexander on Instagram. If you are curious, but she had some very interesting comments about some of the statues that are around Boston, even statues that are meant to be powerful, Harriet Tubman and kind of what those represent. So I think we can't have this conversation when not everyone has a seat at the table. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that, that you just need to learn somebody else's perspective. I think that, look, in no way, shape, or form do I believe or th- or think that even if I wasn't me, would I believe that racism is right or just. But it's almost important for somebody who's not racist, yourself, myself, to sit down with somebody who is racist and figure out right. why is that. Right. There's an interesting story I heard. I can't remember who told me, but... They ended up taking a car ride with an ex KK or with a KKK member, mm-hmm. and the KKK member he asked him he just simply asked him, and he was a black guy taking a ride with a KKK member. Must have been interesting. Right. He said, "Why are you racist against my people?" Mm-hmm. And the KKK member says something along the lines of like, "Well, all of you guys have all of you have a gene that makes you more susceptible to commit crimes," and he's like, "That's actually that's not true at all." Right. And he's like, it is true. And the gist of the story is his reply was, well, I know that there's a gene in you that make all of you pedophiles. And Mm. he's like, that's not true. I'm not a pedophile. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, how ridiculous is that? And that car ride changed him. Right. But there's not enough listening happening as to why people are racist. It's just fun almost to say like racism is bad. It's like, cool. But like there is a certain part of like some kids were raised into this culture of like believing Mm -hmm. in their hearts. Like the sky is blue that people of color are bad. You know what I mean? And like understanding where that problem comes from is the first step to solving it, I think, which, you know, just goes to your point where you need to understand everything. But I don't think there's enough, as much as it's great that these things are being brought to life and they're loud and Mm -hmm. there are black squares and there are whatever else, not enough listening, you know, to understand what the hell is going on. That's been like my big change of heart that I had this year. And that's why I kind of had stopped doing the podcast in 2018 was like, I realized that I wasn't doing the podcast the right way in the way of like, I was waiting for my turn to talk. I wasn't listening. Mm. Um, And that's kind of how I am or how I was in social situations. I'm a storyteller. I have so many stories. I've lived so many lives. I've lived different places. I've had a million different jobs. I think that those stories are the spice of life. Like I love to tell them, but what am I missing by not listening? It almost adds more to the conversation to be quiet and take things in than it is to tell a story that has no meaning, has no mm. point, doesn't add anything. I Did you see the interview with Charles Barkley? Mm-mm. 
he meets with someone who believes that like we should be segregated again and they just have like a very str- and yes the face that you're making is the face that charles makes the whole time i can't remember his name but i would just google like yeah and it blows me away that someone feels that way but it's important to listen to their point of view instead of just being like oh my god this guy's racist as shit it's like okay he is feeling like what that guy was saying that oh you guys have genes that are inferior or whatever and it's like okay well white males are more susceptible to alcoholism why aren't we talking about that like it's just yeah, we, it, we could split hairs all day. It's just interesting because, and one thing that I've learned over the years, and it has nothing to do with politics, but it kind of does, is that no matter what, that other person with that opposing point of view, yeah. in their head, they're 100% right. Yeah. You could sit here all day long and be like, yo, that guy's an idiot, he's wrong, like yeah. whatever. But in his head, yeah. with as much conviction as you think he's an idiot, yeah. he thinks he's right. Yeah, everyone's you know perception is their own reality. Yeah. And all you can do in situations like that, especially with arguments, something that I keep very close to my chest is, um, or to my heart is what part of this can I own? What part of this is my fault? Like what part of this am I trying to place the blame on someone else? What part did I miss? What part am I not listening to? Tough conversations need to be had, but the most important thing is to listen. And I applaud my friends that are like taking the bulls by the horns and like trying to tell people that, they're being racist and people respond with like, you're being brainwashed. You're doing this like, oh, you're a liberal fresh out of college. And I do think it's interesting that the stereotype of like, oh, college students are so are liberals is interesting to me because it's like, oh, so these students are leaving their hometowns, allegedly. They're meeting with people from different backgrounds, having classes with them, sharing a dorm room, sharing a study hall with them getting to know them, learning different points of view, and that makes them be more liberal. Less Why does it have to be liberal? It's just like, op- I mean, open-minded, yeah, I, I guess. In that it's like, it's what? It becomes synonymous of like, yeah. yeah. I, I Like how the fuck is like wearing a mask or whatever it is, yeah. it's now right versus left. It's like, yo, like just wear a mask or don't wear a mask and yeah. have your beliefs about it. Why is it a political thing? Yeah. Why is like not being racist or being a racist a political thing. This yeah. makes no sense. Same like, thing with like when I was in high school, I think it was it was called Prop 8. We did a mock election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was gay marriage, mm-hmm. Prop 8. And our school voted to see like if we were voting age, like what would happen. I want to say, oh my God, who is it? McCain was running? Mm-hmm. Yeah, McCain won. Um, and Prop 8 did not pass. It was... Or no, it was George Bush, I think. Was it? McCain didn't win anything. I know, but in like we voted. Oh, oh, oh. And in our school, yeah, okay. He won. You're like, that doesn't make sense. I know. Yeah, right. I know. So it was like, what the hell? And I'll say this now, like at the time, I voted against Prop 8. I was like, oh my gosh, super religious. Like I was going to the church. So I was like, you're home. You're like, if you are homosexual, like you're going to hell, all this stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, gay marriage is so wrong. And then there was like a very strong LGBTQ community at our school because it was like an arts magnet so there was a lot of students that were like more uh, I don't know that sounds kind of like a stereotype but it was an arts magnet and so we had a lot of kids that were within that community that came to our school once I started getting into theater and getting to know people I was like why is it that my religious beliefs at the time has any right to decide 
what is right or wrong with this person's life that's not going to impact me at all. Like, why wouldn't I want them to be happy and be married? Right. And especially when someone told me that their if their spouse were to die or have something where the they would need to make some end of life decisions, like that person wouldn't be able to make that decision for them. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh my, it just made me reevaluate my life and my beliefs. And that's what I think is so crazy to me is like my body, my choice, like the, everyone was so polarized about abortion and it, and anytime someone makes an argument that is steeped in religion, I'm like that there's a, there's a separation between church and state, right? Mm -hmm. So supposedly, supposedly, um, so why is it that you have any say over someone's life when, you know, we care about the fetus and then once it gives birth, they're going into these group homes or they're being put up for adoption. There was a foster home across from my house when I was growing up and my parents like didn't really let us go over there. Like we would always play in the street with the kids. And one time I remember they're like, oh, I just, I need to go up to my room and grab something. And the image of that foster home is like burned into my memory that there were so many kids living like that. Like dirty, there's just things everywhere. And I know that there are great foster parents out there. I'm not dissing that at all, but I think that there is a large majority that do not experience that. They do unfortunately have the experience of a foster parent who is just using them to collect a paycheck. Yeah. I actually got into this with my brother. I was telling him like, well, if I got pregnant at that moment, I think that was around the time that a lot of that conversations were happening. I was like, if I got, if I got married, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that was going to go somewhere else. Real quick. No, no. When those conversations were happening, um, I think there was probably like a bill or something that was going to be voted sure. on. I was like, if this happened to me, it would destroy my life and it would destroy that child's life. I don't have a job that could support me like doing, having a kid. I would have to move back home. I couldn't go to school anymore. I would have this child and I sure would love them. But in the back of my head, I would think like my life is so different because of this. Right. And that's where the religious community comes out and says like, Oh, well you have to pay for your choices and whatever and whatever. And then it's, then there's a whole other conversation of like, I work with sexual assault survivors. You're going to make someone who is assaulted carry around their assailant's baby. Yeah. It's interesting until you put this it got on there. so heavy. I'm so sorry. Everybody who was thinking that this was going to be like a fun time where you like learn facts about me, but I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Let instead. me tell you something for the last three months, I've been doing these podcasts. And by the way, every guest that has been on, I love you so much, but we've been talking about marketing and CPGs and growing your brand. And those actually aren't conversations I'm very interested in on a regular basis. I yeah. started this podcast to talk about whatever it was, this being one of the things. So I was really excited to have you on, even if it wasn't about Star Wars. Yeah. But it's interesting what happens when that situation happens to that person. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, all of that's fine and dandy and you can preach until you're the one that's raped. Right. Now what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's tough, dude. Yeah, You know what's crazy to me about that? And I don't want to, it's not like a religious debate or a political debate. But when it comes to the Black Lives Matter thing and and any of these other things, it's like there's this story. Of, you grew up in the church, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. But you were Jewish? Yeah. So we're Jewish um, by like as the people Jewish. Ah. Yeah. Cool. There's a story about Jesus and the ni- and the one lamb out of the 99 yeah, yeah. goes and follow, follows the lamb. Mm-hmm. It's, or the sheep, can, lamb, yeah, whatever. A, yeah, I can picture the like felt Jesus being put up at Sunday yeah. school. Okay, he's going to go get the... He's going to get the one. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's like 
by Jesus Why? It's like, that one needs love. It's like, well, that's very much Black Lives Matter right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. If there's a whole neighborhood and there's one house on fire, you put that, you don't spray water on the other house that has nothing to do with it. You like, yeah. you know, yeah. you take care of that one. So there's that. And then there's all these things too about, it, 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 it bothers me. You know, as a Christian man myself, it's like, how is anybody like, how are you putting judgment on somebody else's life like that was the opposite of what you're supposed to do yeah yeah you know what i mean like you're just supposed to love with no judgment yet you want to chastise people and put them up and crucify them for sorry that was kind of weird for like for making these choices or doing these things when really you should be coming through with empathy yes that is definitely like how i was raised in the church of it's about love. It's about acceptance. Like the quickest way to drive someone away from your religion is by telling them that what they're doing is wrong. Oh, you're gay. That's wrong. Like right. you're going to hell. What part of that makes you think that's not good marketing? I don't even know anything about marketing, but that is not good marketing. Yeah. And I was raised in the faith of it is not your job to judge. That's yep. the Lord's job. Yeah. And your job is to be a good Christian, to love others as he did. Yeah. He wasn't hanging out with his apostles all the time. He was hanging out with the prostitutes, yeah. the lepers. Yes, dude. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think what? that like- Like what? Yeah, love is so transformative. Like when you have a real fully engulfed love, I have had friends and I've been that friend yeah. in a low place. You know, things have not been cake for me. I work really hard. I work tirelessly. I'm never satisfied. Never satisfied. If you see the Hamilton. Um, yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And it's when I've had people who love me regardless of the messy things that I've done or the messy things that they have done, it's transformative. You get more with a carrot than a stick. I have had friends that tell me things for people that they're in their life that they want to cut off or things that they're unsatisfied with. And I have stopped trying to give out advice like I'm this holy person that knows everything. And instead being like, thank you so much for trusting me with that. Like, I'm not going to hold it over your head that you're feeling this way and you want to do this or you want to do that unless it's something that is like endangering their lives. Right. And just loving them where they're at and not being like, oh, remember like when you said you were going to do this thing and then you didn't do it, like I'm really disappointed in you unless they need it. You know, it's just kind of like I have won more friends over and helped more people by being there for them consistently and not judging them and loving on them than I have with telling them like, this is straight up wrong or um, yeah, you need to get out of this relationship or you need to change your job or whatever. Cause People don't like being told that also. Yeah. What is up, you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half, and I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention, having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very, very 
long time. If you have a podcast or you're looking to start your own, be sure to go to micme.com forward slash oversharing. Again, that's micme.com, M-I-C-M-E.com forward slash oversharing. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. I don't know. It's it's such an interesting spot because, man, it's crazy listening to you talk. And in the beginning of this podcast, do you have a time? No, thing? Just, I'm just hanging. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Because you're, you know, the Star Wars thing, being the therapist and more interested in people. I'm like, wow, we have a lot in common. It's at least those kind of big thing. Yeah. The Star Wars thing isn't necessarily a big thing, but the, I think we're just like in, we're making a joke about it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Instagram for me personally. Yeah. I'm like. A lot of the, I hate it sometimes, uh, at least my Instagram, because yeah. I'm like, this is coming off so advicey, and I'm not actually trying to do that. Yeah. Just trying to share experiences from what I've learned, and hopefully somebody comes out. So it's a constant tweak of copy. Yeah. So it's yeah. always like, I found that, you know, mm-hmm. or I try to anyways. Not like, you should, you should not. It's like, yeah. bro, like, if life was that black and white, more people would have it fucking figured out by right, now. Right, 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 right. It doesn't seem like that's the case. But it, it's interesting that, like, Again, it goes back to not enough people are listening and nine times out of 10, like, dude, like, you know the answer to your problems. Yeah. You need to get it out of your chest and Mm -hmm. hear it from your own voice and be like, wow, whatever I'm doing, like, I'm either on the right track or I'm not. And then you hear yourself say it out loud. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I should probably change. I mean, there's (laughs) something that Brie said one time when I was taking her class. Brie Thomas. I'm just kidding. Oh, I was like, you know her. She was at your wedding. Um, She's one of like four people at my wedding. Yeah, she she said, I can only coach you. So, I mean, this is a spin class, right? But of course I have a spiritual experience because I'm a spin instructor. So I can't just take a spin class and sweat. She said, I can only coach you so far. The rest is up to you. And she meant we're about to do a bunch of sprints. But to me, I was like, yeah. That that makes sense with everything in my life, whether it's talking to my friends. Like, I can only give you so much advice. I can only push you so far. I can only lay things out on a silver platter for you so much. But the rest is really up for you. And I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal. Like, I know there are things in my life that I need to change. Like, there was a funny meme being like, check on your therapist friends because they're the ones that need the most therapy. And like, I think that they're were just other things at play, like with my own life that I wasn't quite ready to face head on. And now I am. The thing that I have learned the most, like from 25 on is just like, I need to listen more and talk less. My stories are not that interesting. People don't want to see my thousand pictures when I was in Italy, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to post them because it brings me joy. I need to listen more because other people's stories bring me joy. I'm only doing things that fill my cup. I'm kind of tired of filling other people's cup and not refilling my own. What I have learned is where I was like, well, I love to talk to people and I love to meet people. And I have realized that that actually makes me feel almost emptier mm-hmm. than if I sit back. And that's why I've kind of like re- started doing this podcast again is because now I have the opportunity to create that space to just sit and listen and be curious. It's the perfect marriage of all the things that I really, really enjoy. Do you still enjoy modeling? I do. I do. I We have kind of, we're separated right now mostly because of coronavirus um, and because when I moved back up north, my agency is SoCal-based, so it's just kind of hard to get jobs up there. It is just so much more work than people think. It's not just showing up and being cute. Um, There is a lot of backstage things that go on. Uh, There's a lot of time. There's a lot of getting your hopes up 
and getting them dashed or getting your hopes up and then um, maybe it's not what you expected. Um, everything is very last minute. It's never planned out in advance. It's always just like, can you be here tomorrow? Yeah. And you're like, okay, I have a normal job now. Like I can't. And that's why I kind of fell into Lululemon was because it was something where, oh, if I needed to get a shift covered, it was a lot easier than calling out of my day job. So I, I love to do it. I just think that it's hard to be in love with it right now because it has changed so much and has gone away from, we want these women who know what they're doing. And now it's kind of saturated with like the more jobs that I went to where I was surrounded by, and it was mostly in LA and it was like the stereotypical, like LA Instagram influencers all in one room. It was nauseating, nauseating. It was like, who could be the loudest? Who could be the most annoying? And I had, <laughs> I had no, I had very little information on this job. And I went and I'm pretty sure I was in workout gear because like, that's what I do. And everyone was wearing these like very cute LA Instagram Coachella outfits. And I was like sticking out like a sore thumb. Was this like a casting call? It was a casting call for a TV show. Oh, okay. So I went and it was about like becoming an influencer. So it was like, you couldn't already be one. Um, there was a cap on how many followers you could already have. Why yeah. is why is the follower thing the KPI for influencership so stupid? Because they're like, how many people see your stuff? I guess, but it doesn't matter. Like, it, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter to yeah. me. Yeah, no. And I, I have something to do with influencers every so often. Yeah, like we do that a lot. In my head, I'm like, like I, said, I think I said on your podcast, like I'd rather ha ask you to sell something than some fucking hundred thousand nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, especially because like a lot of that is they don't work with other people to get that, you know? Like maybe mm. they work with a photographer to take pictures of them, but for the most part, they're doing that on their own. So it's hard to get them to work with an entire team because when you go to a photo shoot, it's not just one other person. It's a whole production team. And just having the people skills to interact with that and like, not having an attitude. I hate working with models who have an attitude. Like, oh Same. my God. Just like, I am still blown away that I got to do this. Like, this was something that I wanted to do as a kid. I made like a vision board when I was like 10 with all of the like, Gemma Ward and like all of these top models. I used to watch America's Next Top Model. Um, in my home, there's behind my childhood door, there's... I. When I was like 10, I reached as high as I could with a pencil and I marked must be this tall to model. And I want to say it's like 5'10 or 6 foot. Like I just kind of put as high up as I could go. Yeah. And I was like marking my height, not because I wanted to know how tall I was getting. It was like, can I do this? That's really adorable. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm still blown away and I'm still humbled every time I get to do it. Like I'll never forget going to my first like gig where I, I got to stay there and they like paid for my hotel. Yeah. And like being in that bed... I was giddy beyond belief. Like I couldn't even, I was just so lucky that I get to do this. Like it is awesome that I get paid to do this. I go forth with an attitude of gratitude and not one of like expecting like, oh yeah, of course I'm beautiful. Like I don't think that I make the ugliest faces. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you said I have the ugliest face. I'm like, what, what are you doing? No, like, There's one thing of being humble and self-deprecating. No, right? no, no. I wouldn't do that anymore. But uh, just like, wow, I'm really glad that I got to do this and I see it as like a craft and I don't let it get to my head. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, like, oh. I mean, it was also kind of sweet when like, 
people from my high school. I was an ugly duckling. I had buck teeth. Like I'd have braces and I just had like a weird shaped body because I was 14, you know, Mm. to have the like sweetness of girls who were like maybe mean to me or whatever, like see the success. Like when I did the um, campaign for Ashley Graham for her swimsuits for all, I was like, people are going to see this. And I got so many messages from like random people that were like, oh my God, I just saw an ad pop up on Facebook and you were in it. I was like, yeah, I I model now. (laughs) And it was just kind of like, fuck you. But also, (laughs) so I, yeah, I don't let it get to my head. I'm grateful every time I get to do something super cool and like I'll post about it, but I don't like expect it. Yeah. It's a blessing every time it happens and it helped me pay for a lot of things in college and helped me take my mom to Paris. Like it was never, I never like bought something silly when I did a modeling job. It was like, Oh, I can pay rent now. It was never like, I'm going to get a Chanel bag. It was like, (laughs) so my interaction with it is different because it was always a job. Yeah. It was never anything like I thought I was cuter than everyone else. It was just like, I'm just lucky they accepted my application. I took my application photos with my webcam on my MacBook in my dorm room. And they're so low res and awful, but I keep them because it keeps me grounded. Like from the very beginning, I was never doing this for some kind of ego boost. It was always just like, this would be really cool. I've always wanted to do this. Every time I met a model that was not that way, I was like, and this is why I keep those really adorable dorky photos of me to remind me where I came from and why I started doing this. I love that. So what's next for you? (sighs) PhD school, hopefully. Um, Are you actively trying to move right now? You know, I'm always moving. I'm Ah. never not moving. I think I'm probably going to hang out in Northern California with my mom for a bit and ride the rest of this Corona thing out and just kind of make an informed decision from there. This is the first time that I actually have time and I can take a breath before making my next move. Everything before this has been about, oh, my job is here or my school is here. So I need to make sure I'm in this area. This is the first time, which has led me into a lot of like really messy apartment scenarios or like bad roommates because I had to make a snap decision. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time since college or since leaving high school that I've had the time to sit down and be like, I'm now, I have six months to make a plan for what I want to do next. I don't know what I want to do next. I have an inkling. I have something that I don't want to say publicly yet, but in January, I will be somewhere other than Northern California and you'll have to stay tuned to find out where it is. I actually just threw a dart and I span a globe and then it landed and that's where I'm going. I can't tell if you're serious or not. Could be. <laughs> could be true, could be not true. Why does it why do I feel like um when what part of Northern California are you gonna be in? Uh Vacaville. So it's in the Bay. Oh, still. So it's the last county that is included in the Bay Area. Okay. I feel as if I want to visit you and your mom. Please visit us. <laughs> she would she like cry. Not she didn't cry. Perla. I know I'm trying to do you justice. You didn't cry. But when I was in Bree's house and I FaceTimed her and I showed her I was in Bree's house and Bree was there, she was like, she almost melted. Like she was so excited, fangirling. <laughs> so I can't even imagine if you grace us with your presence. You don't have to go to Vacaville. You can go to like San Francisco or something. Vacaville sounds cool. I don't like San Francisco personally. So hmm. I prefer Hot Vacaville. Take. Yeah, yeah, Vacaville is cool. I could show you all of the cool spots that I used to run around do hood rat things. Uh, hmm. 
Weird question. Do you guys eat meat? We do. You eat cows? Yes. Do they have good cows? Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Am I allowed to eat meat in 2020? Feels like it's such sin. Oh yeah, to be a vegan, you have to be vegan now. It's that's a requirement. What I, I think mm-hmm. that's the case. When I found out Brie wasn't vegan, I was like, <gasps> didn't it kind of make you really happy though? Yeah, you're just yeah, like, oh my, I love you so. much I was like, more. thank God. Yeah. Uh, phew, because we were going to Gracias Madre. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's vegan, vegan. Right. But then she was like, sorry, I was cooking short rib. That's super not what she sounds like. Sorry, I was just cooking short rib. I that's was like, totally what? what she sounds like. I was like, what <laughs> the hell? You're cooking meat in your house? She's like, oh yeah, it was so good. I was like. You eat meat? <laughs> um, yes, please come visit us. My mom is a fantastic woman. She is so fucking strong. She does so much with so little. Mm. And she never gives up. And oh my God, she... Just so the listener doesn't think I'm like insanely weird, I got to say this real quick. Uh, Jack's mom actually ended up... Actually, CQ's mom ended up following. <laughs> no, okay. I actually asked my mom about this because yeah. I was like, oh, I talked to Mick. What was? The, how did you guys... And she said that she posted a picture in Newport uh-huh. and she tagged the place and hashtagged it. It was like something she was eating and you liked it and then followed her and then she followed you. Oh, that makes sense. And when she was explaining that, I was like, that kind of makes sense because I'm sure for... I mean, if I... Was it breakfast? I don't know. But I think you were like clicking on places like in Orange yeah. County. I was like, that sounds totally like what That sounds like within- something I did yeah, at that time. totally. Yeah. Because so, it's been a couple of years now. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my mom connected Mick and I, and she is a wonderful woman who is doing the best with what she has and not complaining <laughs> and not giving up. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't feel what she needs to feel. I think yeah. that's something that's important now and is relevant now. Like, if you're upset, feel it. Mm. Don't push it down. That was something I'm guilty of. Like I didn't confront a lot of stuff I was dealing with and I like just pushed it down. And that is how you explode at work and just start crying in the back room for no reason. And it sounded then, like it happened. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> I need to go home. And they were like, okay, like, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I just, I'm in, I am inspired by my mom and I'm in awe. She truly is doing the best with what she's got. And she is also a lifelong learner. She is so curious about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So please visit us. I love that. Before we ask the last question of the day, if somebody wants to connect with you, where can they find you? They can find me at Admiral, A-D-M-I-R-A-L underscore Jack Bar, which is J-A-C-Q-B-A-R. So follow me on Instagram. I'm like semi-active on there. Honestly, now it's just for podcast stuff. I'm trying to not use it at all in the morning, but it's hard because people use it for like talking to me. So I'm like, oh, oh." like I wish they had like just the messenger app, kind of like how Facebook has, Mm. because I would just have that. They're like testing that. I want it. Instagram, if you're listening, I want that feature. Please beta test it to me. So yeah, they follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. Psych in the City is my podcast where I just talk to people. It's just good if you're driving somewhere. Um, I just did a podcast completely on RuPaul's Drag Race. Nice. So it's a podcast about nothing and everything. I love that. Yeah. That sounded, that's a good. Uh, yeah. I When I said that, I was like, I am using that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question of the day. Um, worst modeling gig you ever got and why? Oh my gosh. I knew you were going to have asked me this question. Really? A part of me I didn't of think knew. of it until like five seconds I ago. Was in, I was like, do I go with Star Wars? Uh, it's so no, out of context. No, I was in pavilions today and I was like, he's going to ask me about my w- worst modeling job. 
I will tell you about the job that never was that I got asked to do, but I had to turn down because I was like, there's going to be a ripple effect from this and it's not going to be good. I got asked to be the in an ad for Astroglide, which is lube. And I, and it was for a lot of money. And I just had to like sit and think about how this could potentially affect me in the long run. So yeah, I turned it down because I would just imagine like the people in Vacaville, my mom's friends, like just walking down the aisle. And then there's just like a picture of me next to the lube and condoms. So I turned that down because the image of that horrified me. You know, I've had really, oh, actually, no, I have definitely been at a horrible one. This company is trying to get off the ground as far as like creating product. So um, I drive to their office and they are trying to make like workout wear that's sexy, which is not functional at all and is uncomfortable as hell. And so I do a lot of fit modeling. Lululemon's already doing that, by the way. But it's like, (laughs) this is to the... No, I can like, imagine. even more. Is there like um, holes on the butt or yeah, something? Yeah, it was ah! like the boob thing. I was like, I would never work out in this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and the people that were there were just so rude. They were not respectful of my time. Mm. Um, I didn't like the comments that they were making. Was um, it like, I don't know, suggestive? What is the word that goes there? Yeah, like kind of just like a... Pervy, gross? Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, I hate that. And it just was like, me, I am seasoned. Like, I've been doing this for a while. It didn't phase me. But I could only imagine, like, a young model thinking, like, oh, this is what is normal. But... Breaks my heart, man. That was it's probably It's because you worst. have such a... Your, your mom, your dad, so you're such a smart woman. Not that these women aren't smart, but a lot of... I feel like modeling, it ends up feeling a void for attention that wasn't given. They confuse the... The, the flash of the lights for love and admiration when that's not actually it, but it sounds like you were pretty loved growing up. Yeah. And it breaks my heart, dude. The whole fucking influencer thing, this is a whole thing, obviously, that I can go on, and I just interrupted you. But I, like, I don't know. It breaks my heart to see a lot of these girls, beautiful women, like, just showing everything. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing, dude? Like, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, yeah. sorry. That was, I mean, that was, like, the worst <laughs> one. It was the worst one, and the the... Designer was very snappy at me. I did not appreciate that. Um, and then just the way she was communicating with me, and I was like, "Hey, like you really need to communicate with my agent. Like, please don't be texting me. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how this works." Yeah, it was just she was very demanding. Was not really willing to make any compromises. But the funny thing is, is that my agent warned me before I went to the job. They were like, "Hey, this is how this person is. So take it with a grain of salt." So. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Also, one of the jobs that I had for a long time that was a recurring fit gig, that was something where they were like, we're having a very hard time getting a model to commit to coming every week here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what I did, which is like production. You're like a living mannequin. Um, So I did that for a while, but they were like, hey, you know, we have heard this about this company. But I think that once you make your presence known as a model and you say, hey, I'm a person, I have something to contribute, especially um, where I'm coming from. I have six years of experience doing this. So once I found my voice in that situation, it totally changed the way that I interacted with that job and I became kind of a part of the team. But yeah, I haven't had anything horrible, horrible, but that that one fit gig that I did as like kind of a one-off, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going back to that. Yeah. So, but it's hard because you're turning down money now. So it's like, 
And there's no like Yelp. I can't Yelp that group and be like, hey, I had a horrible experience fitting with them. Like they're super yeah. rude. So <laughs> can't like Yelp Astroglide. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I guess you know. could, but yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm just really glad I didn't do this job. Um, I was like, I have three older brothers and mom. Like, I just uh, don't know how I'm gonna feel. Yeah, about that's that. so interesting to me. That's a lot of the. That's a lot of the. I, I personally feel that with these, and this is could be a completely other podcast, but I personally feel that every time one of these Instagram models, which I don't mean that to sound as derogatory as it does, but one oh, of no. these Say Instagram model, models is a derogatory term, <laughs> and I use it frequently. <laughs> but every time they take one hundred and fifty dollars to promote a thing of sweet yeah. tea, I'm like, you just gave away some of your equity, yeah, and, your, yep. and you could have actually used this following to build up your whole an entire brand yep. for yourself mm-hmm. actually do something meaningful for it instead you're slinging some bullshit yep but. and that's kind of a dark mark too like whether it is astroglide or tummy tea you can't get rid of that and it does change your brand people are going to mm-hmm. associate you with that so that's why i've never done anything like that like there's some swimsuit brands i was like okay like you can send me something and maybe i'll post it and then once i got it i was like this is like shit quality. Like I, yeah, okay, right. the Frankie's bikini that I had is expensive or the Lululemons that I wear are expensive, but it's the quality that I care about. Yeah. So it's like, I rather promote something and people be like, I can't afford it. It's like, I couldn't either. Like I saved up, saved up for all of this stuff. And it's better to have something that I don't have to keep replacing than me going into Target and buying a swimsuit that rips at the end of the summer. So I think you're, Awesome. I'm really blessed for the last two days where we got to chat a little bit more because before that was a couple DMs and a photo shoot. Yeah. I'm glad that that photo shoot was not in your list of terrible photo shoots. I should have said it that. That's uh, how I should have opened it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this guy hit me up on Instagram. And then I was like freaking at this like photo studio. It was cold. It wasn't terrible. I don't know. No, it was, I had such a good time. Yeah. I did. And it, yeah. Anyways, when I'm, I met the creator of that brand, I like cried in her house. Like we were talking and like, she's amazing. I, I have to check in on her. I hope she's all right. Yeah, I hope yeah. she's. I hope she's okay too. But that yeah. was like my first meeting on her. Like I think you sent me there to yeah. meet with her, and it was like just we just connected. Yeah, and it was awesome. And that's when I knew I was like, this is gonna be great. Yeah, she's a good person. Yeah, if you're listening, Jenny. I hope you're well. Well, uh, to the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. We appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a ton of incredible people just like CQ back on the, yes. back on the show. 